Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. If you are ready to be a fly on the wall for some deep and delicious conversation, then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about planting new thought seeds and empowering our black minds to go deeper, touching on topics that most people may not think to think about. And we do this with everyday real people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, Master NLP and Hypnosis Practitioner and Trainer, Author, Speaker and Coach and the Founder of the Black Mind Garden Community. I'm here to motivate, empower and inspire you to be powerfully in the driver's seat of your mind and think outside the box so you can have the deepest experience of joy, success, freedom and peace of mind in all areas of your life. Now, let's get to the good stuff. But before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know every time we release another mind remapping meal for you. Okay, y'all, let's get meta. Okay, welcome back to the Black Mind Garden. Now, you guys know that I, we were formerly Remap Your Mind and we just went through a little rebrand. And that is because, you know, I am creating, I have created this podcast to have conversations about what we experience as black and brown people and the things that we don't often talk about. So you've heard about it. We are now the Black Mind Garden and we're still remapping minds so that you can create a life you design. So I'm excited because we have um, a repeat today. (laughs) We have a repeat. Uh, Dr. Kelly Jackson King, if you remember a few weeks ago, you know, we started this conversation of talking about generational wealth and ways, uh, you know, the mindset around generational wealth and some of the ways that and things that we need to be doing to prepare. And in the conversation, we knew that there was going to be a part two. And what we want to talk, we want to continue that conversation today, yes. but we want to start to get into how do you have these conversations, especially about final wishes with your loved ones. So I just want to welcome you back, Dr. Kelly. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much. It is really great to be back. And I'm I'm glad that we're doing this because a part of the whole concept is starting the conversation. It doesn't often start and end all on the same day. It's just about us getting comfortable with having these types of conversations. So it's actually perfect that there was a part two because it shouldn't be that we think it is one and done. We've, yeah. we, we're, we figured it all out. Many yeah. of these things, you're figuring out things as you go along. So the conversation mm-hmm. continues, but the starting of it is sometimes what can be a challenge for people. The great thing is, is that what I have found is when I started having the conversation with my mm-hmm. husband, it became so much easier. It was like, oh, yeah. okay. What seems so formidable actually got easier and easier and easier to the point where it's actually now very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's good to know, like just, and I'm sure for our listeners to hear that, you know, we know that in the beginning, that conversation can be a challenging conversation to have, but once you actually 
start the conversation, then it becomes a, a little bit easier to continue the conversation yes. because, you know, you begin to understand that having the conversation doesn't mean that one is like we talked about one is planning for, yes. you know, the death, you know, <laughs> but, but death can be such death and final wishes can be such a uh, hard thing for people to face. Right. We, we, we it's there's something that feels final about it. And so people don't want to think about their loved ones dying. People don't want to think about losing these people. But when we reframe it to not thinking necessarily about, okay, we're, we're planning for your death, but we're, we're discussing what we want. Like, how do we set us up for success when we transition, you know, so that it's not, it's, it's not difficult for the people who who are still living, you know, who have to make the arrangements and all of that, right? Absolutely. I like to, um, I believe, I'm sure you do too. Words are so powerful Mm -hmm. and the words that we use can influence so much about what we do. So Mm -hmm. I am always trying to reframe the conversation from a conversation about death and dying, which I don't believe that this is what the conversation is about. It's about love and leaving a legacy. So if we can change the way we think about it, all of a sudden it becomes Mm -hmm. actually a positive conversation. I am talking about love and leaving a legacy. I am not Mm -hmm. planning for my death. I'm planning for love and leaving a legacy. So it really just changes how I think about the whole conversation because in Mm -hmm. my own personal journey, as much as I loved my husband, we did not have the conversation when it was just the two of us. I'm going to be honest. We started it. We peeked Mm -hmm. our toe into it because it was something that Mm -hmm. came up at work. And Mm -hmm. we said, okay, should we talk about it? And we both chickened out. So I'm not saying it from this place of, oh, I was born being comfortable with the conversation. (laughs) So I feel the people in the audience, right? Like I wasn't born comfortable with the conversation, but a turning point for me was when I, um, and I may have mentioned it the first time was when I had my son, I was pregnant with him. And I said, Mm -hmm. you know, it's time to have this conversation. I'm an OBGYN. I wasn't planning for anything to happen. I waited a long time to have my two beautiful children. I wasn't planning to go anywhere. But on the other hand, if I was going to have them, just being responsible in my love for them, I wanted to Mm -hmm. have a little plan in place for if something should happen. And the biggest thing for me was it was not about the money. So many people think about the money, but remember it was, the catalyst was my children. So the catalyst was mm-hmm. the love part of it. <laughs> yes. And I just Absolutely. was like, there's no way I want there to be 10 minutes when they're in the hands of either the state, the government, or someone mm-hmm. making a decision that I just would not have chosen. And even if they yeah. made the right decision, ultimately, I didn't want that gray zone of time yeah. Until even maybe the right decision was made. So right. that was truly the catalyst. It was not a money catalyst. It was a love catalyst and caring mm-hmm. for the person or people who were maybe not going to be of age to be able to mm-hmm. care for themselves. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I love the way you reframe that, like love and leaving a legacy. And, um, you know, just to backtrack, I, you've been on before, but I, I do want for those who are new to the podcast, 
for you to reintroduce yourself and kind of give a little bit of, you know, a background of what you what you do now. Absolutely. I kind of say I have multiple hats. Um, so just yeah. to give a basic background, I am a mom, obviously, because I just spoke about that. I'm a wife. I'm an OBGYN. I work as a hospitalist now, and I am an entrepreneur, which is kind of part of the conversation um, that we're having now. And I also do real estate investments. So I say I am multi-passionate. Um, I'm someone who started off um, in my career as an OBGYN, knowing I wanted to be an OBGYN from very, very young. It was really, Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those people who went from being a fireman to a this, to a that, to a this, which is nothing wrong with that. I knew what I wanted. I went ahead and did that. And it was interesting because we all have journeys. And along that journey, I am equally as passionate about what I do in medicine But along that Mm -hmm. journey, I had read some books about, ironically, wealth and finances and realized that I had all of my wealth and finances in um, the cash flow quadrant that was only employeeship. And I wanted to move into being an entrepreneur and an investor, but I needed to Mm -hmm. find something that actually worked alongside my career in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, so I work as an entrepreneur with people like we're kind of talking about who are interested in not just pre-planning, but they're interested. They think a little bit differently. They think that, you know what, I want to be empowered. I want to protect my family. I want to have access to justice. And this particular conversation is a part of that. Mm -hmm. So those are Mm -hmm. the people that I work with, families, individuals, Mm -hmm. and even small business owners who Mm -hmm. are looking to protect and empower their business. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. That's mm-hmm. what I do at, from my entrepreneur hat. So multi-passionate. Yes. <laughs> and it's important, you know, I think even with you having those multiple hats and, and having the entrepreneurial side that, you know, planning becomes even more important because yeah. there are, you know, multiple facets that need to be dealt with. And so when you're, you're planning, you have, a plan for all of those things yes. as a legacy, as mm-hmm. passing a legacy on yes. to whoever is still here on the earth, right? In Absolutely. physical form. And so, you know, I, I'd like to really kind of jump in because um, I'm sure people want to know like, well, okay, how do you start that conversation? What is the conversation, you know, that you have? And I really love how you said, you know, love and legacy. So I'm curious to see how is it that you know, one would start the conversation with their kids or with their spouse or with their sisters or brother or mom, you know, and is it different for each one? Like what? Yeah. You know, I, I believe it's important first to think yourself what you would want. Mm -hmm. Right. So even before the Mm -hmm. conversation starts with other people, you know, just take Mm -hmm. a moment. It doesn't have to be a week long thing. Just kind of think to Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, what would you want? Who are the people that are important to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and who are, and, and maybe what you have, right? So mm-hmm. again, doesn't have to be big, but just a few moments to kind of process that, right? Or even yeah. processing, you know, um, something that's difficult when people pass away is the question about burial and cremation. Like mm-hmm. that's a big mm-hmm. issue for many people. People feel very strongly either themselves personally or their family members. 
And this is where the, the discord can happen in families, right? One person is extremely against cremation. They have very strong beliefs about it. Another person does not believe that way. And then again, that's why we need to have these conversations. So we're not leaving it to our family to get into disarray at that time. Mm -hmm. So maybe even starting a little bit with yourself. And then it really should go to probably a key person, right? Um, Particularly Mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship that that person typically being in the, the spouse. But if you're not in a relationship with a spouse, it definitely needs to be with anyone that would be considered a major beneficiary because they should know where things are and where to go. Um, some people are very, have a direct approach with having the conversation with, with their significant person, whether it be a spouse or a significant person, parents, sibling Mm -hmm. and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, and they kind of know that person and know, Hey, you know, I just want to have this conversation. This is important to me. I want to share with you what's important to me. And that's kind of a direct approach. Nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that. But there may be people, again, where this conversation is very difficult for them. They don't even want to think about losing you or them even, right? Because we need to have a conversation with people that we love about what they would want. That's right. So it's a mutual conversation. And for those people, we sometimes um, uh, recommend approaching in a, a very neutral way, might be having a conversation about something you've seen on TV or, mm. you know, Chadwick Boseman, you know, passing away. Yeah. And, you know, what, yeah. I wonder what kind of legacy he left for his family mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just starting the conversation where we're we're exploring it right so famous people and what's happened to them is a great way to start a conversation and then by Mm -hmm. the way I know if that happened to me what I would want is right Mm -hmm. so we've kind of started it in a way that we we neutralize it Mm -hmm. and now we're now in, in conversation so either a direct approach or this happened to this person this is what I would want And what would you want, right? So again, that's why I said it may not be a one-time conversation. It Mm -hmm. may need to Mm -hmm. develop over time. So those are some techniques, the direct approach, starting with you, a direct approach Mm -hmm. versus saying, this is important to me. I'd like to set um, set a time aside to talk about it or Mm -hmm. an indirect approach, meaning I need to start the conversation in a way that people are feeling um, uncomfortable. Um, And I think we may have mentioned before, it's always best to have this conversation in a neutral time. Um, It's the most ideal is a neutral time, meaning that, you know, not when you, you want to have the conversation preferably before anyone is ill. That is really Mm -hmm. the best time to have the conversation Mm -hmm. because then it becomes Mm -hmm. less about you're trying to wish something bad upon yourself or me. Right. right? Think about that conversation when someone is ill. That's right. Uh, We don't, preferably, my heart says to everyone, try to have the conversation when everyone is healthy Mm -hmm. so that it's not a conversation about death and dying. It really is a conversation about love and legacy. Yeah. I like that. I really love that. You know, so one of the things that um, I've I've had conversations that people struggle with is, is how do you choose, you know, when you have multiple family members, especially for people who either are not married, like yes. myself, don't have a spouse and have a child, like so single parents, yeah. um, 
you know, how do you choose who that person is? What are the criteria that, that, you know, you might want, that people might want to think about as they're thinking about, you know, this, this legacy and what they want for themselves. Um, If they were to be, you know, from a decision-making standpoint, if something were to happen and after death, you know, from a burial and, and, and will and all that, how, how do you think about how to choose people? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the technical side of things, like what you need to have in the document. Mm -hmm. And then of course, the emotional side of it or the decision-making side of it is going to be so, so different. And so I'll share a little bit about the decision-making process um, from my husband and, and I. Even if someone is married or has a significant other, the documents need to have at least two other people. So we all have to think about that, okay? Mm. So you were mentioning if you're single, well, it's almost in some ways similar if you are married because you Mm. still have your your executor or your personal representative. And if you're married, well, that person tends to be your husband or spouse first, right? Mm -hmm. But the recommendation Mm -hmm. is still to have two additional other people. Mm-hmm. So we all have to think about the person outside of the immediate person anyway. So single people are not alone with having to make that decision. Okay. Good to know. Yes. Yeah. So it's good to know you're not alone with having to make that decision. When it comes to those of us like you and I, who have children under the age of 18, the second, or actually, in my opinion, the most important thing is the raising of the child. Right. And so mm-hmm. Again, if you're in a relationship, you know, obviously there's some laws related to the father or mother of the child. Okay. So you need to speak to right. an attorney about right. that. You sometimes cannot bypass that person. You need, that's why you need to yeah. get some advice about that. But just mm-hmm. let's say for some, for example, that other person is not there, they're not available, whatever. They, you still mm-hmm. need to have two other people or it's recommended mm-hmm. two other people. Right. Mm-hmm. So we all have mm-hmm. to make that decision about mm-hmm. that. So they need to be, there needs to be both a guardian and a trustee. So when you have underage mm-hmm. children, the guardian is the person who actually would physically raise your child until they're of age. And the trustee mm-hmm. is the person who would manage the finances until mm-hmm. your child is of age. For right. the great majority of people, probably over 90% of the time, it's going to be one and the same person. One and the same person. So typically the person you're choosing as the guardian is also going to be the one helping to manage anything you may be leaving behind for that child. So it's a Mm -hmm. critically important question, right? I would say certainly when I looked at choosing the guardian, I wanted someone who would be most like me in raising my child. Most like me, mm-hmm. but they there is no one who's going to be exactly like you. There is just it's impossible, right? right? Because you're right. unique, and so you mm-hmm. have to use your best judgment, in my opinion, about who is going to maybe instill the values um that you that most closely align with you, who mm-hmm. is capable, who um I mean, I hate to even put finances in here, but quite frankly, there has to be some financial wherewithal for them to raise another child, right? So all of that. And I know at the time when, when we first did our first version, when my children were very, very young, even though my parents were both living, 
they were a little bit older when they had me and I was a little Mm -hmm. older. So I knew in my heart, even though that they would be the people that I would think would be the most like, because they raised me, right? Mm -hmm. But I also knew that medically, that that probably wasn't going to work, right? Right. So again, Mm -hmm. it may not be, I. making that decision is hard because no one can ever replace us. But I think those are the Mm -hmm. things you need to think about. Who are going to instill the values that are most closer to you, who can physically emotionally and financially do the best that they can in it. Not everything may line up. And if you have Mm -hmm. questions where maybe you think this is the person to love up on my child or children, but maybe they're not the greatest with finances, or maybe I want to separate the two out. It is okay to have a guardian and a trustee. And that might work Mm -hmm. for people where they say, you know, I don't know if I want them to have access to everything. If there's 10 years that they may be, you know, in charge of the finances, that might also help people to to relieve them. I want this person to be the person who raises them and this person Mm -hmm. to be the trustee so that there's a little bit of checks and balances if you so choose to do that. So that's some options. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I like that. And and, and one of the things I'll add to that is, you know, if if I love how you say the person who instilled the values and I think it would ha- it would be a person who knows you well. Yes. Because then they know your values and you trust that they will honor and they know your parenting style and they'll trust that you'll you'll you trust that they'll honor that parenting style, they'll honor those values. And and so I think there has to be a level of trust in that person oh, as well, because absolutely. it could be, you know, someone who you think who knows your values, but then they may not necessarily honor those values. Absolutely. Right? They, they may decide, well, I'm going to do things my way. Right. Absolutely. And so you have to think beyond, you know, just sort of like who, who will love your kids. It's like, who will raise them? Like you said, who will raise them the most like you would. Exactly. And how I have things set up. I actually, how I have things set up is what you, the, the latter is, is I have, you know, one person who is, would be the guardian and then another person who would be, the, the trustee because absolutely. the person who I absolutely want to have my son if, if me and my my son's father were gone she's still working on the finances thing now if that yeah. were to change then I would change it change it over right but I think it's you know and I've heard some people say you know even having attorney an attorney when you have enough um wealth an attorney absolutely. that you absolutely trust to be an executor of the state as well. So I've heard that as well. Oh, absolutely. That is a very, very good point, Amaisha. And I'm glad you brought it up because sometimes a trusted third party is a great choice, not for the guardian part of it, but in terms of the (laughs) finances and holding Mm -hmm. things in place until your children are a certain age. And so these are Mm -hmm. all great options that give us control Right. So that we're not feeling Mm -hmm. um, out of control with what happens, um, you know, when we pass. I was going to say if, but Mm -hmm. the reality is when. Right. So (laughs) um, all great choices. And that's why I do think it's important to be able to run certain things past an attorney, ask them questions. Mm -hmm. I think it's extremely important in blended relationships or, again, Mm -hmm. with single parents. You need to know what the law says about things and then what things you can do to be proactive 
There's always a level of trust. You're hundred percent right about that. There's always a level of trust. So it's important to, when you're making these decisions, make sure you have some trust that the person will do what you wish, including when you had mentioned before related to even you. Right. And so um, many times as people are passing, there's a transition And part of that estate planning is not just when I have passed, but there's that living will component of it, that there's that healthcare power of attorney component of it, Mm -hmm. and that financial Mm -hmm. power of attorney um, component of it. And so, you know, you and I are in medicine, but not every, well, many of the people I know that you're connected with are in medicine, but, you know, the living will is some, a, a document where, you're, you're, it's pretty basic outlining what you would want to have done or not want to have done when it comes most specifically to life support. But that mm-hmm. is not enough. People think that that's enough. There's so many decisions mm-hmm. uh, that, that physicians and families need to make that you may not mm-hmm. be able to pre-plan or know. And so there needs to be a person, again, who's who would most likely carry out your wishes, right? Because another area where people feel very strongly, um, it's not that they don't love you, but they may feel strongly about what should be done or shouldn't be done at the time of passing, a medical emergency. For an example, um, you know, some people believe very strongly in not receiving blood. That is their Mm -hmm. thing. They would not receive it. And if they now have someone who believes very differently, well, now you have a conflict. So you do want to have someone be in a position that if they are your healthcare power of attorney, that as much Mm -hmm. as possible, they have the similar value systems that you do. Okay. So, you know, we we, want to live in an ideal world where we can step outside of ourselves and be in control of all of that. All we can do is the best that we can to help things to be as smooth a transition um, as possible. I know when my dad was um, terminally ill, it was important that I was his financial power of attorney because there were still bills that needed to be paid while he was terminally mm-hmm. ill, you know? And mm-hmm. we, we we ran the risk of the home that my mother and he had worked hard for being lost in that transition if things weren't mm-hmm. being paid, right? right? So that's why people sometimes need to think of these things so that grandma's not kicked out of the house, the family right. home, um, because mm-hmm. um, things were not clearly outlined. And that has happened mm-hmm. so many times mm-hmm. where it wasn't clear, the person didn't know where the insurance policy was, mm-hmm. and things just get lost instead of just mm-hmm. outlining where things are. That's right. That's right. I, I, I think that's so important. And even, you know, for myself, when I thought about, you know, choosing someone as a medical power of attorney, you know, I, I thought about um, a person who not not a person who doesn't love me or, or is not invested, but a person who can bypass that emotion to make the right decision. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You know, and and I, luckily for me, I have a lot of medical people in my family, and so you oh, know, we're used to doing that. So I have a cousin who, you know, and and so I think as we talked about before, 
there be there are multiple people, multiple aspects you have to think about that multiple people can be involved in. Absolutely. And I think also what's important is that everybody knows who everybody is, right? Like whoever's your medical power of attorney knows who the financial power of attorney, if they're not the same person, um, whoever your medical power of attorney is also knows who beneficiaries are when the time that the, of passing comes, you know, like there's all of these, they, they need to all be able to be in communication. So you all, you almost have like a legacy team. Yes. <laughs> that is, you so- have a legacy team. Yes. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, we said that it started with you thinking about what you mm-hmm. wanted and then it would go, uh, the conversation starting um, next with the person closest to you. But it mm-hmm. absolutely has to, at some point, even if it's in a small way, involve the people who you're designating. Because you may mm-hmm. be surprised and find out that that person respectfully declines. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be important to know that before. <laughs> Right. Maybe they don't feel prepared for that or that's not a role that they want to have. So, again, it doesn't have it depends on the relationship and it depends on what it is. Doesn't have to be a big, long, drawn out conversation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hey, by the way, I'm interested in designating you as this person in this role. Mm -hmm. Would you be okay Mm -hmm. with that? And, you know, at the time of my passing, letting people know where things are. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think we may Mm -hmm. have mentioned that. Um, there was a long period of time where people thought Michael Jackson did not have a will. He did have one, but it was a period of time before they discovered it. (laughs) By then, you know, things are already in motion. And so it's harder to go back in time. So yes, Mm -hmm. you and then the significant person or persons, but it should Mm -hmm. involve the people who you're designating. And it also Mm -hmm. depends on the age, but your beneficiary should also be aware, right? Again, depending on the age, Mm -hmm. if someone is, you know, I'm not going to have that conversation with a five-year-old, but, you know, as as my kids are getting older, you know, I want them Mm -hmm. to be aware of, okay, if something happens, Auntie Kim, mm-hmm. Auntie Mikey, you know, so they're aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, for my husband and I, our two main beneficiaries are our two children, but many people have nieces and nephews mm-hmm. that are near and dear to them, right? And there's yeah. nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Again, for those who may be single, for those who may not be parents, mm-hmm. I always believe we are all of equal value, irregardless of who our family relationships may be. And it's equally Mm -hmm. important for us to have these conversations, right? Not devalue Mm -hmm. because, oh, I don't have a child or not at all. You have people that you love and you want to, you know, bless them, you know, just Mm -hmm. as well. It may be a parent, right? So Mm -hmm. you may say, if something happens, I want certain things to go to even a parent, Mm -hmm. right? So, so many different variations, but those beneficiaries, depending on, age and relationship should probably have some awareness of what's going on. Absolutely. And if you're afraid of them knowing they may not be, they they may not need to be beneficiaries. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is very true. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) So you got to listen to your intuition. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, this is this has been such an enlightening conversation. Um, I think that we've touched on so many points, like, you know, how you choose 
um, your your power of attorneys, how you choose like medical and, and how mm-hmm. you choose your guardianship and how you it's like there's so many pearls <laughs> that you dropped today. And you know how I the question that came up as we were talking and I wrote it down and it's going to end up being the title of the show, you know, is who is your legacy team? Who is your legacy team? And I think it's important that people understand that everyone needs a legacy team. I think there may be some people that are like, well, I don't have that much. So I don't need to Mm -hmm. think about that yet. I think it's important that no matter how much you perceive that you have, that you still uh, create a legacy team, whether it involves an attorney or not, whether it involves your, you know, parents or whoever it involves, everyone needs to have that legacy team. It could be one person. It could be five people. Absolutely. Um, Because at the end of the day, we all want to leave that love and that legacy to the people who are are left behind when we go, you know? I agree with you. Um, One, I think I may have mentioned it before. Um, I like the term estate plan, but sometimes that term throws people off because they think of an estate as this huge lump of money, land, real estate. And it Mm -hmm. almost, um, they almost discount that they need to be a part of that conversation because that word sounds so big and grandiose. And I Mm -hmm. really tell people there's two components. You have someone that you love and you Mm -hmm. have something that you leave behind. It does not have to be big and grand. It can even be just things that are personal and near and dear to you or to your Mm -hmm. family. It can be just that. Mm -hmm. But a part of that legacy is, as you mentioned, even just the decisions that need to be made regarding you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why you said just what you said. Everybody needs to have that legacy team, because a part of my goal is, is that if there's a point of transition, I don't want to put someone else in an uncomfortable position of having to make decisions that either they don't know are right for me or that maybe Mm -hmm. other people in the family are in disagreement about putting that person in a difficult position. So, uh, you know, the word estate throws people off because again, it points people back to having a large sum of money. But remember this plan may have nothing to do with money. Right. Right. So we talked right. about that in that living will and the healthcare power of attorney and so forth mm-hmm. and the guardianship. Yeah. None of those things have to do with money. But my right. whole thing is if you do have anything that you leave behind, why wouldn't we want to put it in the hands of the people that we love the most? Um, I had a conversation with someone and she had mentioned that um, she did not start off in life with anyone leaving her anything. And mm-hmm. so she hadn't really thought about leaving anything for her children. Now she's in a better position than what her parents were. Um, mm-hmm. And a part of me thought to myself, well, there's only two choices. One, it gets lost and ends up in the wrong hands or back with the state, mm-hmm. or it goes to the person you love. You know, there really is no in between. So Even if you weren't granted or gifted anything, if you have something, 
we only have two choices. It's going to go where it's not supposed to go or it's going to go to the person that we love. So why don't we at least make a plan to have it go to the person that we love? <laughs> absolutely. 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 Wow. So I think on that note, we will just, you know, have that leave people with the question of who, how are you building your legacy team? Who are those people? Start with yourself, right? Start with yourself and what you want. Think about the people who most, who know you the, the, the best, mm-hmm. who you trust to honor your values, who you trust to raise. If you have children to raise your, your children, the closest to you, how you mm-hmm. would raise them. Obviously we can be replaced, right? Make sure you check with the laws, Yes, you know, um, when you have other parents involved, co-parenting or blended families yes, or single parenthood. And, um, you know, think about the people, especially when you're talking about living will, who will honor your wishes and yes. carry them out, who you trust to do that. And the bottom line is that everyone needs a legacy team. Make sure they all know each other. Mm. And I think those are some very, very salient points, very, very important points for people to hear. And we don't talk about it enough in our community. And we talked about at the beginning how to initiate that conversation, the direct approach versus the indirect <laughs> approach, right? We talked about so much, Kelly. Awesome. So I really want to thank you um, because I think these conversations, these last two conversations that we've had have been so important. And I think you said it earlier when you said, this is an ongoing conversation. It's not a one and done conversation. Yes. And so I encourage the listeners to, you know, this is homework. Y'all know I love to give homework. Um, to continue to start to continue to think about this, to really begin to give this some thought over time and and to begin planning. And Dr. Kelly, I want you to tell people how they can get in touch with you if they might need some support in that arena. Absolutely. Well, some some of the best ways to reach out to me, of course, on social media. So you Mm -hmm. can connect with me on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Ask Dr. Kelly. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm also on LinkedIn and it's under just Mm -hmm. my regular name, Kelly Jackson King. There's a few of us, so make sure you're choosing the right one. Um, And if you're on Linktree or you're familiar with Linktree, it's linktr.ee forward slash Ask Dr. Kelly. Um, I do host at least on a monthly basis, how to have a conversation about finances and final wishes, as well as Mm -hmm. a will workshop. So people can start to put pen to paper. Um, I do give out a free will questionnaire that people can start having this conversation and putting pen to paper. And so I'll certainly make sure I reach back out to you, um, Dr. Maisha, and let you know the next one that I'm having so people can maybe join now that they've started thinking about it and it's in their heads and mulling it over so that we can kind of start that process um, of getting those things done and even how to have access to speaking to an attorney when you have some questions about what you should do yeah. or what the law says um, before you even, you know, think you finalized something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great, great. And we'll make sure we have all these links in the show notes. So if you're wondering how to get in contact with Dr. Kelly, you can um, click the show notes. If you're watching by video, it's in the show notes are in the description and you'll be, you can reach out to her. And, and as soon as we get the dates for the next upcoming um, conversation, I'll make sure I put those in there as well. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you again so much for this conversation. I'm sure we can come up with more topics to talk <laughs> about because, you know, we, we've built, uh, delved into entrepreneurship, yes. we've delved into 
multiple domains. So I just look forward to continuing these conversations. I and so. um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Maisha. I really appreciate it. And hopefully people will walk away again, just comfortable and at peace that this is something that's just a part of the process of us being grown up. We're, we're grown ups, right? <laughs> We're grown-ups. We, I put our big our big girl and our big boy panties, well, big girl panties and big boy, what do you call those? Uh, boxers. Reefs. Big boy okay, boxers. boxers. Yes, big boy boxers and big girl panties on and, you know, attack with these conversations head on. And that's what we're talking about, you know, remapping our minds to from talking about death and dying to talking about leaving a legacy, love and leaving a legacy. So thank you once again. And of course, to our listeners, I always want to give a shout out to the listeners because without the listeners, there is no podcast. You know, if you like this podcast, if you like these conversations, I, you know, invite you to share them because we do want this message to be spread to as many of the community as possible. It's a, such important conversation. So share it with even just three people and leave a little review to let us know that, what you think of our conversations. And if you even have a request, let us know what that is. All right. So thank you so much for the conversation. And I look forward to the next time. Thank you. All right. We'll see you on the next episode, y'all. Namaste. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Remember to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode. Also, this is truly a movement for us, and I'm committed that this message reaches the masses. However, I am clear that it is you, our listeners, who help us to grow. So if you like this podcast, I would love and appreciate if you'd let us know. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and then share it with just three of your friends. We want to expand our reach and bring transformation to all of our brothers and sisters out there who are still seeking more freedom, purpose, and peace of mind in their lives. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to join our community, it's simple. Go to www.mindremappingnation.com. And if you're interested in learning more about NLP and hypnosis and how you can learn and train with us, consider looking at our upcoming classes. You can read more about that at remapmymind.com or schedule directly if you want more deep work at remapmymind.today. As always, we love and appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Namaste.